live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'm saying in the long history of historic ass beatings, I'm not sure I've ever seen one quite like that. I'm not sure any of us have ever seen a curb stomping of the magnitude that we witnessed last night. I know that I definitely have not yelled, somebody stop the fight at my TV during the second quarter of a national championship before. It was hard to watch, actually. It was like, please, somebody pull the dogs off of TCU. Somebody throw the damn towel. If there ever was a Rocky Four throw the damn towel moment, this was it. Except it wasn't a moment. It was an entire half. An entire half of garbage time in the natty. It was a national championship that had more garbage time than actual competitive time. Literally. It was a national championship that needed a mercy rule. And it needed that mercy rule in the second quarter. Simply one of the most dominant championship performances ever by any team in any sport. That makes the Georgia Bulldogs the first back-to-back national champs in a decade. Yes, Georgia fan, that is somehow a real thing. You are not dreaming. You are not tripping. You were not hallucinating. You might have been hammered, but what you saw was a real thing. It actually did happen. And unfortunately for you, TCU fan, I would say the same thing. It actually did happen. That was not some nightmare that you're going to wake up from. That massacre actually happened. That bloodletting was real life. An incredible story, incredible season, amazing run. Nobody can take that away from you. However, nobody's ever going to forget the last night was historic ass. Last night was a decimation, an abomination, and it's going to live forever. It's just no getting around it, right? There is no way around it because Georgia just scored the most points ever in a national championship game. It was also the largest margin of victory ever in any bowl game, period. Period. Not just the Natty, but any bowl game ever played. And Kirby Smart set the tone right off the very top of that broadcast as well when he summed up the carnage that was about to happen with one single word. What do you need to see from your team early, particularly as you start on defense right now? Aggression. That's it? That's what we want to do. We're going to hunt tonight. We're going to do the best we can to hunt tonight. And that was kind of like the PG version. The R-rated version, which went viral, of the audio in the locker room was expletive-filled, many F-bombs. But he said that for the record, aggression. We're going to go hunting. And a hunting they were. The hunt was finished, in fact, before halftime. You've got a 10-7 game that all of a sudden is a 38-7 game. In fact, they scored 38 first-half points on 38 first-half offensive plays. That's a real stat. They were literally averaging a point a play in the first half. Kirby Smart finally called off his dogs early in the fourth. And you know the right or the night went just fine when you give your quarterback a curtain call with 13-25 left in the natty and a 52-7 lead. 
Bennett curtain call here. Here we go. Bennett. 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 Caps a career that began Bennett. with no scholarship Bennett. offer at Georgia. He'll leave with a legacy unlike anybody else at this school. Two-time national championship quarterback. Bennett. No doubt most Bennett. outstanding player in his fourth playoff game. Not even he could have dreamt this. Incredible moment for Bennett. Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Bennett. A truly fitting end to an ionic college career. Ionic. And then we had to sit around and awkwardly watch another 45 minutes of football. Well, at least for those of you who did actually sit around and awkwardly watch another 45 minutes of football. Those few of you who were actually going to last until and made it to the end of the game. That might have ended up as the least watched trophy ceremony in the history of trophy ceremonies. But back to Bennett for a second. Bennett. I mean, this guy literally achieved GOAT status last night. It might have been debatable before, but it no longer is now. Bennett is the best quarterback in Georgia history. He is now one of the most decorated quarterbacks in the history of college football. He might have just capped his career with his single best performance as a Bulldog. Four tutties passing, two more running, over 300 yards in the air. I mean, my dude hit basically every single thing he tried all night long. And then he checked out for a standing O with nearly an entire quarter left. I don't know how that night could have gone any better for that guy. And it caps a career that started as a walk-on. We all know the story. He starts as a walk-on. He ends it with a 29-3 record, a couple of natties, a couple of national championship offensive MVP awards. And I don't care if he's 25 or 35 or Bacon 45 or Bennett 55. Bennett. This is a ridiculous run for a college starter. So Twitter can all hate on this guy for being old all they want, but he is still going to end up with a statue outside of Sanford Stadium in Athens. In fact, they might even think about renaming that place to Stetson Bennett Bennett. Stadium. That's how ionic this guy is and always will be in that town. But... If anything was abundantly clear last night, it's that it wasn't just about Bennett. It was about everybody. Every Bulldog. Georgia was just better in every single category. They were bigger. They were faster. They were stronger. They were deeper. They were more experienced. They were better prepared. That showed why they are now the preeminent, dominant force in college football. And they're going to remain the preeminent, dominant force in college football. Georgia is now the program, a.k.a. step aside, Nick Tater. And it was pretty glorious to see the Nick Tater have to digest that fact live on the halftime desk. Nick Saban's squad did not get invited to the Nick Saban Invitational this year, but they still let old red ass broadcast the event. I think mostly just so he could get dunked on in person. That could not have been easy. However, he still looked better. In fact, nobody looked worse than Jim Harbaugh. Because I think that every single person watching that game had the same exact thought about midway through the first quarter. How the hell did Michigan lose to these guys? And again, nothing against TCU, but that was an absolute body bagging. 
So how did Michigan, the great Michigan Wolverines, get beaten by these guys? I guess Harbaugh was too busy begging NFL teams to return his telephone calls like the most annoying, khaki, pants-wearing telemarketer of all time. I'm sure the NFL thinks this is a great look for old Jimbo. Hey, yo, uh, David Tepper, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, what's up, Jim? Hey, listen, you got a minute? Can we talk? Can we talk? Talk about what? That job opening you have. Didn't you guys lose to TCU? Well, yeah, but. And didn't you see the championship game? Yeah, but. Anyway. So, there was one big upset, though, last night. (laughs) The rain. It's always an upset here in Cali when it rains. At least in SoCal. So, the rain. Never mind TCU coming in as 13-point dogs and some of us morons thinking that was good value. Never mind that Georgia covered the spread by 44. How about the rain covering the spread against SoFi Stadium? In fact, the rain might have won outright. In fact, that rain put a bigger beat down on all of us and everybody there than even Georgia did on TCU. Listen, I know we're soft. I know it. I know we're wimps. I know we're not built for weather and elements. We're just not. I get it. And believe me, I've got evidence to share with you a little bit later on. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, Omega Tax Credit. Credits.com. But we're really going to go through something out here right now because it's raining. I mean, have you seen the video like in my former stomping ground up in the 805 in Santa Barbara? Even here in Orange County where we are in Los Angeles, it has been raining, yo. How about that brand new state-of-the-art $5.5 billion edifice? We might not be built for the elements, but a $5.5 billion edifice should be. Except if you were there last night, you know that it really isn't. I bet everybody who flew across the country to sit in some $1,000 upper deck seat was totally pleased and prepared to get pelted by sideways rain in a non-competitive game all night long while sipping on $17 Modellos. Totally Pissed. Mm. <laughs> totally pissed. Mm. Totally trashed. Meanwhile, not only was it raining sideways, but it was raining sideways into the concourses. Have you ever been to that edifice? It is sparkling. It is pristine. But you know what it's like? It's like a gigantic iPhone without a case. Man, it's slippery as hell. It is. So that made that place slick as hell when the rain started to rain sideways right through the concourses. And it resulted in a lot of fans taking headers and they were wheeling people out of there in stretchers left and right. 
telling you. But as bad as that was, I'm sure none of them were feeling as roughed up. It's a good thing my guy, the pro football doc, was there to help out. I'm sure none of these people are feeling as roughed up this morning as the Horn Frogs, who just caught one of the worst beatings we've ever seen in any championship game, in any sport, on any level. A beating so bad that once again, it had all of us screaming, throw the damn towel. Throw the damn towel. I mean, TCU, no offense. Again, amazing story. From five and seven, first year head coach, a guy that I love in Sonny Dykes, to the championship game. They beat Harbaugh. They beat the mighty Michigan men. But, but, last night will stick to them, and no offense, but last night, actual frogs may have been more competitive. At least the frogs can handle the rain. I mean, what good is a roof if you've got no walls, right? <laughs> what good is a roof if you have no walls? Five and a half billion with a B. I don't know. Maybe slap a little drywall around that thing. Couldn't somebody have gone down the street to Big Five and bought a bunch of those instant canopies? You know, where you just lower the legs on one side and you put the top at an angle to shield people from the rain. You know, if you've got kids who play sports, you've seen those things. Why not just run down the street and buy a few thousand of them and put them up over SoFi? I mean, I'm the structural engineer, but couldn't you squeeze creating the world's biggest rain poncho into that $5.5 billion budget? I mean, I know nobody ever expects it to rain here, but it does sometimes. And when it does, it's never a good thing. Never a good thing. We go literally from zero to flash flood in five seconds here. It's always been that way. You got to know. You got to know. 1-800-636-8686. So again, what's it all mean? Yeah, it's a dynasty and probably already was, but now it's official. And that is now your preeminent monster. That is your preeminent program in college football. Right now, it is, in fact, Georgia and everybody else. They've already been installed as next year's tournament favorite. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got Teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor down to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a 4-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? He is Dennis Dodd. Dennis, always good to have you on. Dennis, how are you? Jim, I'm great. And as always, I'm here to elevate the show with Pop. 
My man, exactly. I knew. I knew that you would understand what I was talking about. You always do. All right, so coming in, we knew that a beatdown last night, Dennis, was a distinct possibility, but did you expect the biggest beatdown ever in a national championship game? I did not. I was on Georgia to win in sort of a mini shootout, maybe in the 30s, but certainly TCU within the number because of their offense. That's kind of the way they, you know, they win games. Georgia had given up a thousand combined yards the previous two games. TCU had hung 50 points on the number four defense in the country in Michigan. And I I didn't think they'd be slowed down, but at the end of that, man, 65 to seven, it's almost a kind of a hopelessness for the rest of college football that, you know, not only uh, Georgia going back to back for a team doing that for the second time since 1990, but you know in the SEC what what hope is there I think Georgia is the standard now clearly better than Alabama and yes Alabama could rise up next year be back in the playoff and we're not having this conversation but Kirby Smart and that roster and those kids have have cornered the market on championship football and I'm I just got out of a press conference with Kirby and a couple of players here at the hotel and he was telling some amazing stories about uh, the Tuesday of the Ohio State game where, you know, they did a, a competition in practice. Hey, if we, if we win this offense versus defense, we don't have to run. And he said guys were killing themselves. Uh, a running back got injured. He almost had to call off practice. That's how competitive they were. And you saw all that unleashed last night. Uh, nine touchdowns. They won by the equivalent of eight and a half touchdowns. And you're right. It's never happened before in a championship setting. Den- Dennis Dodd doing exactly what he said he would do, elevating the conversation. You know, Dennis, back to your point. Like, first of all, I saw the game the way you saw the game. I thought it would play out that way. I thought that Georgia would win, but I thought that TCU would be competitive, even stay within 13 or 14 points, and that was not the case. But, Dennis, to your point that there's kind of a hopelessness involved now, I mean, dynasties generally are very good in any sport, but was that what happened last night and what's been happening, is that bad, actually, for college football? Yeah, you know what? That remains to be seen. We're getting into this era where it's going to have an expanded playoff. The opportunities will be there for more Cinderella's like TCU. But, you know, will that be better for college football? The the basketball tournament is built on Cinderella's. But like, like college football, the brand names usually show up in the final four. And I suspect that's what will happen in the 12-team playoff. I do like it. Uh, again, I think there will be more stories like TCU in there. But boy, have these schools, particularly Georgia, cornered the market. And we're in the first year, Jim. Think about this. Of uh, It used to be the only thing stopping these teams. You could only take 25 per year uh, in recruiting. Well, there's a two-year, oh, I guess, experiment to rebound from COVID that these teams can actually take as many, as many recruits as they want, sign as many recruits as they want, as long as they don't go over 85. And, which is the, the roster limit. And that's one of the questions I wanted to ask Kirby. Is he signing 40 guys to, to supplement what he's got already? I don't know the answer to that question, but it's certainly possible. Dennis Dodd is joining us. Dennis, I thought that you posed another really interesting point or question when you said, well, look, yes, they are the standard. Georgia is now the standard. However, that did not happen last night. If it didn't happen last night, when did it happen? In other words, when did they become the standard? Well, in year two, Kirby went to the playoff. Remember that. Lost to uh, 
to Alabama on the Tua pass in uh, in overtime in year two. That's kind of what Nick did. Nick Nick went seven and six in 2007 and won ten in in year uh, in 2008, his second year. But now it's beyond that. I don't want to say he copied Nick because I think part of this entire story is he he's you know got his own uh, identity, his own brand away from Nick. But there is a process. At Georgia, I just told you about that Tuesday practice against Ohio State. Where would this team be, all this being said, without Stetson Bennett, um, a no-star guy who, you know, without him, maybe they don't win these two things. Uh, Going to go down as maybe the best dog in, in history, big, bigger than Herschel. Um, so it's, it's player development, and that's what he was. Obviously, it's talent. A kid like Kenny McIntosh, number one, tailback, uh, tailback they split carries. How many teams can keep guys happy at that level, splitting carries between three guys? And here's what Kenny McIntosh gives you. Jim, since, since this century, in this century, there's only been three players that have run for 500 in a season, caught passes for 500 in a season, and scored 10 touchdowns. That's Kenny McIntosh is one of those guys. And Kirby was just talking about guys with their shoulders popping out, refusing to go out of games. Kenny McIntosh against Missouri, which, you know, was their, you know, was their closest game uh, prior to Ohio State rallying the troops when he was hurt. So it's, it's everything. It's just a new process. It's just, it's just tinged with red right now. You know, I think that, Dennis, you answered a question I was going to ask you because looking back, it's almost unfathomable, right? It's kind of hard to believe that they went four decades without a natty, despite yeah. the fact that they send players to the NFL every single year. I was going to ask you how Kirby Smart has been able to transform Georgia into such a dominant program. Is there anything else there? I mean, you talked about player development. You talked about process. You talked about a program that's based on that intense competition. How else did he do this when nobody else before him could have? Well, I would say, you know, physicality in the front line, particularly the front seven player taken Overall, uh, I posed a question to Will Muschamp on Media Day, the co-defensive coordinator, who's working on a story about how impactful these nose tackles and defensive linemen have become. And I said, how, you know, because they're so big and they don't, you know, they, they run out of energy quick, how do you rotate them? And he said, well, I don't let any guys uh, play more than six straight snaps on the defensive line. Makes sense. They're BMF. And I said, what about Jalen? And he said, until he runs out of energy. I don't give him a, a, you know, a limit. So it's that kind of thing. Just like Jim in Brazil, they breed the best soccer players. In Canada, they breed the best hockey players. In the southeastern part of the United States, they have the best defensive linemen, and that's the hardest thing to find in college football. And they inevitably stay in the SEC, and now inevitably they stay mostly at Georgia. We are talking to Dennis Dodd. So, Dennis, what about Nick Saban? It seems like if you want to throw dirt on the Nick Tater, you do so at your own peril. But if Smart has, in fact, jumped over Nick, then what is Nick's response to this, and especially, frankly, at that age? Yeah, no, look, Kirby's got 24 years on him. Uh, Nick won his third title uh, when he was 61 years old. Kirby has won his second when he's 47. Um, you know, he's beaten the master in, in doing it. We know that. So only time works against Nick. Having said that, I don't think any of us, again, would be surprised if Alabama, you know, there's a bunch of guys that we don't even know their names right now, jump up there and get back in the playoff and make a run. Uh, 
because Nick has the energy. You saw him on air yesterday all over the place. He's 71. He looks 51. Um, he works out. You know, he's not a golf guy. So he's not going to retire and play golf. I see him going for at least five more years, um, you know, and trying to get these guys he's recruited at the top of his game. So, yeah, are they losing a, you know, a generational quarterback? Yes. You know, one of the best defensive players Alabama's ever had in Will Anderson Jr., yes. But, you know, something tells me that they're going to be back. This, this is, this, you know, this is going to set the fire. This is going to motivate them. You know, we're not going to let Georgia run away from this, and they'll be right back. Dennis Dodd joins me for a few more moments. So, Dennis, what about TCU? Obviously, an absolutely amazing story coming in. I'm curious, where do they go from here? And do you expect them to continue to kind of get that national attention and that national run that they did after, frankly, a historically bad performance last night? Yeah, they've got to get this face out of their mouth. As good as this was for TCU, for the Cinderella angle, for the Big 12, their commissioner, Brett Yormark, was running around like, um, you know, hey, hey, this is, I've been on the job six months and look what's happened. You know, there's a community here in LA called Frogtown. The Big 12 went and adopted it as a TCU town. They're brewing purple beer, all this stuff. Expansion, are they going to get past 12 teams? This can only help doing it in LA. That, that just feels empty right now, um, or, or sort of empty, because of the epic beatdown that they had. Yeah, I, I think I think TCU is going to be good. But now you've got you're going to have a 14-team league next year with the four new teams plus Texas and Oklahoma for at least one more year. It's going to be highly competitive. Um, but they had done what has never been done before. You know, coming from a losing record last year to the CFP championship game. It wasn't a fluke, Jim, because they were, out, but they were outside, out quick, out schemed, out everything last night. So you just wonder, you know, can they get back? Outclassed. Dennis Dodd joining us. However, they did beat Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Before you go, Dennis, where do you think that leaves Harbaugh? Reportedly interviewing with the Denver Broncos. We heard his name attached to Carolina. Whether that was his doing or their doing remains to be seen. Do you think that ultimately Harbaugh is going to get the NFL offer that he so desperately wants, regardless of how many times he has said that he's not leaving Michigan? How do you think that plays out? I, I just, I'm a personally, I'm just kind of getting tired of this mating dance all the time. And I'm sure Ward Manuel, the athletic director in Michigan types, are getting tired of it. I think it's different this time because I, I need one question answered. It's how much of this is because of these NCAA allegations which are pretty serious. Um, he is, well, I don't want to use charge. It's not a law, but um, he, uh, he's alleged to have mis, uh, provided false and misleading information to the NCAA. This is the type of stuff that got Jim Trestle fired at Ohio State. Uh, it's, it's a ripcord of the NFL where they can't touch it. And how sloppy is it that you're a sitting Power 5 head coach and, you know, you're doing this to the NCA when the violations themselves are like using an analyst at practice when you're not supposed to minor stuff. It was described to me by one source as the cover up being the worst in the crime. And so does this get him and push him more to the NFL? To your question, will he get that off? That I don't know. I'm not plugged into the NFL, but this mating dance. I think as long as he's there, we'll not stop. You beat me to that point. The cover-up is always, always yep. worse than the crime. He is Dennis Dodd, 25 years now as a college football writer for CBS. And 
came and did exactly what he said he would do. He elevated the conversation like always. Dennis, appreciate you. Great job. And it's always good to have you on the show. Thanks for doing that. Jim, thanks so much. Appreciate it. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app, see terms, and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. So it finally happened. It finally happened. Didn't think this day would ever come, but it finally did happen. XR4TIR and stylist Cindy has long asked me, she doesn't badger me about it, but she does bring it up periodically. You think maybe you want to keep an extra shirt here at the studio? You know, just in case. And my response has always been, in case of what? To which she responds, I don't know. Anything, in case of anything, i.e. in case you spill something, just so you have it, you know? And I've never actually, since back in the days when I would suit up for Jim Roman's Burning, I've never actually kept my fit or my wardrobe at the studio. I don't need to. Like, what I wear to this show is what I wear to work. So the answer has always been no. She's like, I don't know. You know, maybe just keep a shirt, just in case, just so you have it. And my response respectfully has always been, no, I'm good. I'm not going to spill anything. I don't need to keep clothing here at the studio. I've never really spilled anything on me. On my keyboard, yeah, sure. But never anything on me. I'm not a moron. No need. No need. Today, there was a very big need. You know that whole rap that when it rains, Californians drive like it snows? It's true. I mean, not for all of us, but for a lot of us. In fact, it's not just driving, it's living. It's like a lifestyle thing. Fact is, we're really not built for it. We're not. I'll own that. And the reason we're not built for it is we just don't have much experience with it. The weather here is almost always nice. If anything, it gets cold, but it really doesn't rain very much, and it never, ever, ever snows. I think I've seen snow once down where we live at that level. Go up in the mountains, sure, but we're just really not accustomed to it. As an example, take me. Take me. I take pride in being able to deal with the elements to a certain extent because, again, I've owned homes out of state. We had a home in Montana. Gets really bleeping cold there. We have a home in Wisconsin. Gets really bleeping cold there have a kid in college in Wisconsin. So it's not like I haven't experienced the elements. You know, I've gone to New York many, many times in the wintertime. So I get it. However, when you're here, it's a different deal. As an example, take me this morning. I've laid out my morning routine for y'all, but let me do it one more time. Because, and I feel strongly about this, this is not going to be a reinvention project episode 
just kind of spontaneously occurring. But I do feel very strongly about this. I do the same things every single morning. I've got my morning routine. Anybody who has achieved anything will tell you how important it is to have a morning routine. Now, my morning routine is different than the morning routine that a lot of them are talking about. A lot of people talk about getting up in the morning and immediately having a workout, a strenuous workout. I can't do that because I've got to get to the office. Or a lot of people get up in the morning and they meditate. Can't really do that. Got to get to the office. A lot of people get up in the morning and they have a cold plunge or a cold shower. Can't really do that because it just sucks. However, I do have a routine. And except on the very rare occasion, I never deviate from that routine. Because frankly, it works for me. The only time I really deviate from that routine is occasionally when I hit snooze. And believe me, and I mean this strongly, I hate myself when I hit snooze. And I mean hate myself. It doesn't mean I'm late because I'm never, quote, late. Like late for me is getting to work at 6 a.m. for a 9 a.m. program, honestly. And I'm not looking for any credit. That's just my routine. But it's more what it represents. Hitting snooze is bad, man. It's a bad thing. Ask me, it's one of the worst things that you can do. Because when you hit snooze, and I'm not looking to lecture anybody. I'm just telling you how my morning went. When you hit snooze, effectively, you're starting the day with an L. You are. It sets the wrong tone. And frankly, to me, it just feels like a sign of weakness. Because the point is, the standard is the standard. And standard above feeling. And why did you hit snooze? Because you felt like crap. Why did you hit snooze? Because you weren't feeling it. Why did you hit snooze? Because you didn't feel like getting up. The bed felt good, man. It felt warm. You were tired. You felt sick. So then it becomes feeling over standard. So to me, that's a big L. I hate that. You don't want to get up. Of course you don't want to get up. It's cold. It's raining. But you do it anyway because it doesn't matter how you're feeling. It never matters how you're feeling. Create your program. Stick to your program. Never deviate from your program. Get your ass up. Way to go, Coach Rome. Except I didn't do that today. I hit snooze. So, of course, things blew up in my face. Of course, it was going to go downhill from then. Should have known right then it was going to be a rough morning. Sure enough, I hit snooze. Then I didn't hit it a second time, but I gave myself five more minutes. So if you do the math, I'm like 14 or 15 minutes behind, and I hate myself, and I'm running hard, yo. I'm running hard to get caught up. I'm running hard, but I can't get out of my own freaking neighborhood because some moron is driving in front of me at half speed. And why? Because it's raining. And when it rains, people here drive like it snows. I've already had a bad day, yo, and it's 5.15. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS, and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with, so it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com.
I've already had a bad day, and I'm not even 15 feet outside my door. So I finally get to Starbucks. And already now, my, you know, my blood pressure's up. The dude in front of me was the Starbucks customer equivalent of the moron who can't drive in the rain. Because this dude can't order a cup of coffee and a bagel and a protein box without asking for a fork and then a knife and then a napkin and he won't get the hell out of the way. And dude's just posted up, man. He's posted up like he's trying to be the guy who invents instant coffee. That was for you, Robert Sala. This Add that to your stack of your receipts. That we're in. So now, like, I can't lie to you. There's no, there's no Rome Zen going on here. Now I'm enraged. Now I think that my head's going to explode. Now there's smoke literally coming out my ear holes. This a-hole has taken the easiest thing ever and turned it into the hardest thing ever and doesn't even know. So the gals who work behind the counter know me because why? I come in at the same time every single day except today where I'm 15 minutes late and I order the same thing every single day. So they're already working on my drink. So it's late. Smoke's coming out my ears. It's raining sideways. I finally get my Joe. My Grande Nitro with an ad shot. Bust the hell out of that coffee hut. Got to get to work, man. Got to get to work. We're a man down, too. Cindy's in the back row. We're missing somebody. No names mentioned. Rit. And I'm late. And it's raining. I got to get the hell out. So what happens? I hit that damn door. Bam! Nitro all over my damn shirt and pants. The thing that I said would never happen and why I don't keep an extra shirt at work. And have some. No! So what do you do if you're me? You try and rub it out? Try to get it out? No chance, man. You can't do that. It's in my slacks. It's on my shirt. Drove my ass home. Changed out of everything. You think I was in a bad way and I was running late already? And by the way, having a shirt at work wouldn't have mattered because I got to wear my slacks too. No, none of you would have known because you can't see what I'm wearing under the desk. But I am one of those guys that does actually, I don't want to say suit up, but I dress up. I'm not a guy wearing shorts under the desk. And not only that, Never mind that you wouldn't see it, but like I said about coffee, man, you can't get the smell out of you. I, I need a fire hose or a shower right now. I changed out, and I still feel like I went for a swim in a coffee tank. I would have been sitting in my nitro all morning long. So, if there's one thing I've learned over the years, coffee is like the worst thing that you can spill. I would know. I've spilled it everywhere except on me. So, yes, we're not built for the rain. We're just not. It rarely rains, and when it does, everybody here freaks out, me included. And it was a bleeping chain reaction. Like, when I finally did get on the road, after going all the way home and changing, man, don't even get me started on the bleeping commute. First thing I saw when I got on the freeway was a car on the shoulder facing the wrong way. How is a car facing the wrong way? So what I'm telling you is this. The fact that I survived that nitro attack and the rain, and I'm even here right now, 
and I smell like a damn coffee pot. That makes me a damn legend. I mean, give me some bleeping credit. For real. Do it. Credit. Thank you, Alvin. I mean, damn, Alvin. Anyway, clones, do what you do. Do what you do, and I'll even get you started. I'll even get you started. Hey, Jim. Instead of an extra shirt and slacks, why not keep an extra clown suit? Bozo. Yeah, you're pissed. You were going to send me that, weren't you? Hey, asshats. I guess I'm the only one on God's green earth that's ever spilled anything on himself. I don't know, Rome. Here's a thought. Why not drink the coffee at your work since you clearly can't walk it out of a Starbucks without spilling it on yourself? Why don't you just send Alvin or Tom to get it for you? Listen, two reasons. One, I want to get it in me before I get to the office so when I sit at my desk, I'm already high. Two, and more importantly, you have a process I have a process. We all have a process. When you get a nationally syndicated radio TV show that's on five days a week and heard and seen by millions and you're in the Radio Hall of Fame, then you can tell me about how I need to fix my morning routine. Why don't we compare morning routines then? I'm just being real and telling you why I'm sweatered up on a Tuesday. Hey, Rome, why don't you just have the studio at your house? Then all you have to do is go downstairs and change and not get in your car and turn around. I don't know. I don't, my house is nice, but I don't think I could replicate this in my house. The Tower of Hate, which I go into every single night, would not look this good. Let me tell you something. This fake brick doesn't just build itself. Nor does it just go anywhere. The tower of hate is real. The brick around me is not. So no, that doesn't work either. Hey, Rome, how about this? Instead of going to Starbucks every single day, why don't you buy your own nitro machine and put it in the studio? I don't know. Why don't you just all keep your ideas to yourself because I'm not asking you for your help. I'm just telling you what happened this morning. My process is not broken. I just did not execute it today. And part of the reason I did not execute it today is because it was raining. However, I don't want to be a hypocrite and point the finger at the rain or that idiot that was driving in front of me or that bigger idiot that was standing in front of me at Starbucks. I'm the only idiot here because I could not walk out the door that I've walked out of 1,000 times before without bumping it and spilling it all over myself. That's why. We good? Isaiah McKenzie joins me. Isaiah, it is great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, dude, good. So it's been a little over a week since that Monday night game in Cincinnati, and what a week it's been for you, for your teammates, for everybody involved. I'm really curious, what is everybody's focused on DeMar Hamlin, and he's made, made such an amazing recovery so far. What's the week been like for you emotionally? 
Um, it's been a, I wouldn't say it's been a, it's been a positive week. You know, we try to be as positive as we, as we can as a team and just as a unit and, you know, hope for the best, you know, for DeMar. And we thought about DeMar all week and we kept getting good news each and every day. So it kind of made us, it, it made it not kind of, but it made us feel better, you know, you know, about his situation and us going back out there and playing football because we knew at the end of the day, we, we, we would eventually have to play football again. And, you know, us receiving positive messages from, you know, the hospital and every, the doctors and everything and the staff telling us, you know, what we want to hear that made us, you know, feel happy inside and knowing that he's going to be, he's going to be good. He's better. And we can go out there and play football with, you know, with clear minds, even though, you know, he's still in the hospital and he's still, you know, still working through some things, but knowing that he's going to be good a hundred, a hundred percent and nothing's wrong that we know of. That's, that's the good news for us. You know, I really appreciate that response. I appreciate your thoughts. And yesterday was another dub. It was another big day. He was released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. He's already back in Buffalo. So from that standpoint, how pumped are you and your teammates to have him back home? Uh, that's, that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? We can't wait till he comes here. We can hug him. But not, you know, not, not rough him up too much. But um, just be there and him being here physically and just knowing that, you know, he's, he's alive and well. You know, that's all we care about here. And uh, as a team, you know, we all felt it and we all understood what was going on. And if we wasn't going to play another football game because of what happened, then that's what we were going to do. But, you know, as long as, you know, he's doing well, that's all we cared about. And he wanted us out there, so we went out there and played for him. And great outcome. Isaiah McKenzie joining us. Isaiah, I'm curious, like the whole episode had to be so absolutely terrifying it's personal. It's so deeply personal, and what happens in the locker room stays there. But I'm really curious, what was it like for you and your teammates when DeMar first joined the team by video conference and told you all, quote, love you boys? Yeah, he's um, – so when we got in there uh, in the, uh, the meeting room and uh, McDermott said, hey, you know, DeMar's going to be on the Zoom call, and uh, a FaceTime call, and, you know, he can't speak, but, you know, he's there, and don't have him up too much because he gets a little tired. And – as soon as he got on the call, he said, love y'all boys. And we was like, oh, and we got excited. We started clapping and cheering. And um, that was a that was a great moment for us and for him. And we were just excited to see him and him to be talking and, and showing, you know, good progression, you know, as the week went on. And um, that was pretty exciting. Isaiah McKenzie joining us. So another thought or two about that before we move on. You you yourself already are a huge Huge energy guy, a huge, huge passion guy, a huge emotion guy. I, I can't even imagine. I'm just watching from afar to see all of you take the field on Sunday with that just crazy raw emotion energy. So what went through you when Naeem Hines housed that opening kickoff? Can you explain your feelings? <laughs> well, I was standing by the heater, and uh, me and Gabe Davis were standing by the heater, and um, we were standing there, and first of all, the, the – before the pregame, everything was electric. You know what I'm saying? The fans, everything was, you know, with the tribute to DeMar and everything. So that's to begin with. Everything was amazing. And then for him to bless that kickoff return and score, like, out the gate was like, whoa, like, this is this is crazy. This is happening. And I'm like, you know, this is going to be a game for the Patriots that they've never seen before. And it was like, and like Josh said, it was like spiritual. For me, it was like, that was amazing. Like, I didn't think of it as spiritual. I thought it was like, that that just happened. And we had this week and, and, and what happened to the mall. And then like, it was just like, 
what a positive way to come out and be, and before the game we had the, the tribute and then and then the game starts and then we run to keep returning back. It was like what a crazy turnaround and that was that was awesome. I felt I I was yelling and screaming. I'm like wow. I was just in shock. I think everybody was in shock. It was like, holy crap, this is not happening. But it is happening. And then, dude, if you were in shock the first time it happened, what were you thinking when it happened again? <laughs> and the second time, I was like, all right, this guy, at this point, I'm like, uh, Naheem is just doing Naheem things. At this point, I'm like, yo, he's he's putting it, he was scoring. I'm like, wow, this dude's just going off today. It was last game of the season, you know. Great. We had we, you know, we had a long week with Demar and just you know trying to get through practice and pregame and dedicating our time to you know to you know it was just a wild week and for him to go out there and ball out and you know just get the fans and the crowd involved and us going out playing for Demar it was just all it was all electric everything about it was electric. Isaiah, I know that you and your teammates have been asked so much about him, so I really appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts and coming on and doing that. Before you go, you know, guys taken in the third day of the draft the way you were do not last as long as you have in the league, much less stay and perform and put up the numbers that you're putting up right now. It seems to me that a big reason for that, not only your passion, but your grit, your grind. I'm curious, how much of your work ethic comes directly from your grandmother, Valerie? (laughs) Um. She, she, I, I always tell I, when I was younger, when I was in high school, and people would say, you know, just talk crap or whatever. And I would say, you know, it doesn't hurt me because my grandma has always been my biggest critic. And my grandma, she she worked so hard, and she did a lot of things for us. And, you know, her being, you know, older, you know, and raising her grandkids, and her doing the things I've seen her do, like go, she worked at a school called Pontiana Park Elementary School. She was a cafeteria lady. She worked the register and she did everything she could for me. And, you know, every time I go out, I do everything I can for her because I know she worked hard. She did everything possible. She didn't know where my life was going, how my life was going to turn out. She tried her best. And it was up to me to take, you know, her to pass me the torch and say, hey, make a better, better life for yourself. I did everything I can. So, I go out there on that field every day and I practice field. I go in that meeting room and every day I'm like, I can't lose what my grandma worked for, for me. You know, I, she got me here to this point. It's up to me to maintain it. She made me the man who I am today. She taught me everything she could, you know what I'm saying? Me being her grandson, she was, she only could do so much. So, you know, I thank her every, each and every day and I love her to death. And um, I'm going to keep trying to make up for her each and every day. It's beautiful, so man. That's why I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Finish that thought. I think that's beautiful. That's great. Finish that thought. Oh, yeah. So that's why I was saying that's why I go out there and I go out there every day. And like you said, not, not a lot of guys that get drafted in the third day, you know, is doing what I'm doing and, and, you know, trying to do what I'm trying to do with this team. And that's what a Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, so, like, I just kind of just put a chip on my shoulder and take everything I learned from my grandmother, you know, mentally and do everything I can physically to stay on track. Love it. Isaiah McKenzie joins me for another moment or so. So in terms of the Super Bowl, the next step is Wild Card Weekend. You're going to host Miami in your place. You've seen them twice already this season. You split a couple of games. You know what they're all about. When you look at their defense, what are the challenges that they present for you guys? Um, they got a great they got a great new line with Chubb, Ingram, uh, Phillips. They got a, they got a great new line in, in uh, Wilkins. And 
they play a lot of man-to-man coverage. You know, they get they get in your face. They want you to beat man, press man-to-man coverage, and they gonna it's gonna be contested catches. You gotta catch because they're gonna be on you like glue. But um, for us, we just got to go out there and play Buffalo Bills football, and um, they got a good secondary, great D line, solid. They got a solid defense. They are gonna go out there and they gonna give us their all, even if it's tw- if it's twelve degrees or one degree. They gonna go out there and play. So we know we got to come with our A game. Isaiah, you speak about Buffalo Bills football, and then you've got Georgia dog football as an alum, <laughs> dude. What was it like for you to watch that beatdown that your dogs put on TCU last night? That was amazing. Um, me, me and my girlfriend was watching it, and I'm like, oh, it's 17-7. Okay, it might be a little close game. And then the game kept going on and on, and I'm like, whoa, this is getting out of hand. And I started calling people that I was talking trash to. I'm like, hey, I told you so, blah, 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 whatever. And um, it, it was awesome, you know. What I'm saying I'm, I'm 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 happy for Stetson Bennett, and I, I don't even I don't even know the guy. I wasn't there with him, but you know, it's it, with the way he came up and his path to into the situation he's he's in now. Uh, I'm 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 happy for him and all the guys that you know won the national championship. I say one last thought. You spent a year, right, with Kirby Smart. He's done just yeah. an insane job in making college football's gold standard there, right there in Georgia. In your opinion, what makes this guy so good and different from the rest? Um, he, when I was there, he was very active. He was very into, like, he loves football. And I don't know, I don't know many coaches that don't love football, but this guy, Kirby Smart, loves the game of football, and all he wants to do is make his players better and win football games and make us make his players better people off the field. And I've learned that from him when when he got in his first year. It was, you know, be a good person, be a good player, and work hard. And I feel like that's what he does, and that's what he does as a person, as a man, and as a coach, as a father. He comes every day. He brings the energy. He doesn't want to see anyone down. He just – He's in tune with everything, offense, defense, special teams. He wants everybody to be successful on and off the field. And, um, you know, I commend him for that because when he got in the first year, we weren't the best We weren't the best team. But he worked through it, and now look at him now. And I, he worked through the tough times, and, you know, he deserves everything he's getting. Dude, now look at you, 172nd pick overall back in 2017 and still getting it done at a very, very high level, 42 receptions, five touchdowns, Buffalo hosting Miami on Sunday. And always shows up like that with great energy. Isaiah, really appreciate you. And always good to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for that. And good luck this weekend. Appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much. You too. Appreciate you. Paul's dog. Pooch, what's up? Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs and my third cousin, Ugga, for winning bark-to-bark championships by beating the horned frogs. Hmm. I ate a frog once. Only time in my life I ever saw colors. Hmm. Dogs all over the field. TCUQB named Max. But it was the dogs that prevailed. Uh, Kirby, that's a dog's name. Smart, Stetson, Bonet, Brock, Bowser, Dadonis, Spitzel. All dogs. Bow wow wow, yippee yo, yippee yay, bow wow, yippee yo, yippee yay. The Athens dogs. Roar! 
become a female rescue dog. Her name is Victoria, but we're going to call her Bitch Vic for short. Rough me, rum route. Do what that dog said, Alvin. Rack him, Rack him. he's out. Good night, no!